to the Gospel of John. We are in John chapter 8, uh, verses 31 through 59 today. It's a, a large text of Scripture that we're going to try to uh, unpack today. And I shared with Rhonda earlier this week that that's what I was going to do. And I said, uh, we may need to pack a lunch. And she said, yeah, that might be a good idea. And I was like, well, gee, thanks. You know, so but anyway... Uh, as you'll see, the, the, the text, it, it flows together seamlessly, and I felt like we should not uh, break that apart. So John 8, 31 through 59. Back in the 80s and 90s, the daytime talk show phenomenon was booming. You had individuals like Donahue and, and Oprah and Montel and Ricky Lake and Sally Jesse Raphael and individuals like that. One of the most popular ones, and I guess he's still going today, is Mari Povich. And one of the things that he was renowned for, and, and I guess still is on his show, is the paternity tests to try to determine whether or not uh, this gentleman is the father of this woman's child. And he would bring couples out, and they would do these tests, and they would show the picture of the baby on the screen, and the audience would, would uh, boo the guy saying, you know, this looks just like you, it's your child. And, and uh, they, you know how it would go. They'd bring out the results of the test, and he would say, Billy Bob, you are not the father. And Billy Bob would jump up and do a dance and, uh, and, the, and the girl would begin to cry. Or, or the other way around, Billy Bob, you are the father. And she would jump up and get in his face and point and say, you're going to pay for this, Bobby Joe or Billy Bob or whatever your name was. <laughs> Maybe she don't even know who, which one it was. But the paternity test, the paternity test to determine who was the true child. You know, as we continue our series through John's Gospel, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, today the Lord confronts the Jewish leadership with the paternity test, not the Mari Povich variety, but one to determine spiritual fatherhood. Are you a spiritual child of God? What we see from the text today is you must pray that God enables your heart to have an affection for his son. The only way to be a child of God is by affection for the Son of God. It is through Jesus Christ alone that we become children of God. And that's what we see Jesus telling the crowd today and telling us via the word that we must pray that God enables our hearts to have an affection for his Son. I invite you to stand with me this morning if you are able. We do this out of reverence for the Holy Word of God. I'll be reading at John chapter 8, starting at verse 31, these words written by the Apostle under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been enslaved to anyone how is it that you say you will become free jesus answered them truly truly i say to you everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin the slave does not remain in the house forever the son does remain forever so if the son makes you free you will be free indeed i know that you are abraham's descendants yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you i speak the things which i have seen with my father Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your Father. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for our time already spent in worship today, and we continue in that spirit of worship even now. As we submit to your word, we come together today with the conviction that this indeed is the word of God, and when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And Lord, as we see today this theme of spiritual fatherhood, we do pray Lord, that we would be your children, and we know that it's only through our affection for your Son, Jesus, that we can become a child of God. I pray if there be any within the sound of my voice today that are not born again by your grace, any whose chains are not gone, I pray through the power of your Spirit, through the preaching of your Word, that enslaved souls would be liberated. Father, for those who are your children, I pray today that we would be assured, that we would be reminded of the person and the work of Christ and the grace alone that enables that to be a reality. Father, speak to us today through your word and may your will be done in our lives, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We continue in this festival cycle portion of John's gospel where Jesus proves himself to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament Jewish feasts. I heard the argument uh, again, the the ridiculous argument again recently that as Christians we, we don't need the Old Testament. That the Old Testament's for the Jews, the New Testament's for Christians, and so therefore we don't need to worry about the Old Testament. But you can't understand the New apart from understanding the Old. And Jesus proves himself the fulfillment of these feasts. We are dealing with, at this time, the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. A reminder that God's people, when he brought them out of Egypt and wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, God provided for them. Water and God provided manna. God provided the light to guide them at night. God protected and God preserved His people. And that festival was a reminder of God's protection and God's provision. And Jesus sees Himself as the true fulfillment of that. We also have the theme of escalating conflict. Already back in chapter 5, the Jews were ready to kill Jesus because he healed a man on the Sabbath day and claimed equality with God. And that, that, that conflict escalates all through chapter 6 and chapter 7, down to chapter 8. It reaches a whole new level of intensity. Here we have Jesus accusing the Jews, the Jewish leadership, of being unbelievers. And as such, as unbelievers, they lack God's freedom. And that's still true today. Those who are not Christians lack God's freedom. The non-Christian is spiritually trapped by their sin nature, unable to break free. Because, first of all, they do not abide in His truth. Not abiding in His truth. Verse 31 says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him. Points us back to uh, the verses right before that. Remember, as Jesus spoke in verse 30, many came to believe in Him. So there's a, a bit of a debate here about who Jesus is speaking to and who, who is talking to Jesus in this passage. 
because there it says that they believed in him and now Jesus spoke to those who believed in him and they proved to be unbelievers by their words. It's either one of two things. Either the conversation that Jesus has moving forward is not with the believing Jews but with the Pharisees. Or it could be that those who believed in him, some of them were not truly believers. Either way, Jesus is speaking in in regards to those who do not have faith, saving faith in Christ. He says in verse 31, if you continue in my word. So it's conditional. If you continue, if you remain, if you abide in my word. It's the condition of continuance to remain, to, to stay. And it's, it's interesting in the Feast of Tabernacles or booths, they're talking about residing and, and living in those tents. And Jesus says you've got to live and remain and abide in, in me and in my word, in my teaching. If you will do this, if you stay committed to my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Meaning that there are some that claim discipleship, but their lack of abiding and remaining and continuing in the word reveals otherwise. R.C. Sproul talks about the importance of possession of faith rather than merely profession of faith. You can profess to have faith, but that doesn't save you. What saves you is if you possess saving faith. And you must continue to truly be a disciple of Jesus. He says, and you will know the truth. You will know the truth. You will know the truth only if you stay in the Word. And later on in this Gospel, Jesus identifies himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, the only way to remain in the truth is to remain in the Word, who is Jesus. If you continue in the Word of Jesus, then you will know Jesus, and the truth will set you free. Jesus will set you free. The only way to be freed is by knowing the truth, who is Jesus Christ, and by remaining and abiding in His Word the truth will make you free. In that statement, imprisonment is assumed. And that's what ruffles their feathers. Imprisonment is assumed and the inability to free oneself. The truth will set you free. You can't set yourself free. Religion and, and rituals and external actions cannot set you free. Only the truth that is Jesus. Unbelievers do not abide in his truth. They also do not appreciate his truth. As their response indicates, they answered him. Who is the they? It's either the Pharisees or the unbelieving Jews who claimed to be believers earlier. They answered him. We are Abraham's descendants. Abraham. His name comes up over and over again in this text. It's an emphasis. They're saying we are physically descended from Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. That's what the song says. And they were saying, we trace our physical lineage back to Abraham, and so we are the people of God. And you say, 
you will become free. They said, we have never been enslaved to anyone. Either one of two things is going on there. Either they are ignoring the political history of the Jewish people, because all through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, they have been enslaved. Whether it be the Philistines or the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Persians, the Syrians, the Romans, you name it. So either they're completely ignoring that or they are catching up on the theme here of spiritual freedom. Because we are descended from Abraham, we're not enslaved in the spiritual realm. We are privileged because we're Abraham's seed physically. They don't appreciate being told that they are, are slaves, but Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, that's that formula he uses many times whenever he is offering a very somber truth statement. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Everyone who commits sin. We looked at Wednesday night, the Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. He said, everyone who commits sin, and that includes them, that includes us. Everyone who commits sin, he says, is the slave of sin. The slave of a sin nature, a rebellious nature, a, a depraved nature that wants to disobey God and, and wants to pursue other things besides God. And that's what sin is. Disobeying God, missing the mark, being trapped by sin. Jesus said the slave does not remain in the house forever. There's a very limited time frame in which we get to exist in this life as sinners enslaved by sin before we have to face the judgment for our sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. There's that, that word again, continue in my truth, abide in my truth, remain in my truth. Jesus said the only way to Remain is to remain in the Son who remains. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The slave is removed at some point, but the Son remains. So if you remain in the Son's teaching, you remain in the Son, and you will remain in the house. The, 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 the distinguishing mark there between the slave and the Son he said, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The slave cannot free himself, but the Son, by virtue of who he is and by virtue of his authority, the Son has the right to set free, to liberate the slave. So Jesus said, if you've, commit, if you've committed sin, you're a slave to sin, the only way to be set free from that is if the Son sets you free. The truth will set you free, Jesus says, now it's the Son who is the truth who sets you free, but you've got, to, um, you've got to abide and remain in His Word. They don't appreciate the truth, and you tell an unbeliever you're, you're trapped in your sin, you're enslaved in sin, and you will go to hell and be judged for that sin. People don't appreciate that truth, but they need to hear that. 
Unbelievers lack God's freedom. They don't abide in His truth. They don't appreciate His truth. They do not accept His truth. They don't accept it. Jesus said, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. So you're telling me we're, we're, we're descended from Abraham. And Jesus says, I know that physically. That is true. Yet, you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. He said, I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking the truth that will liberate you from slavery to sin. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to accept it. Therefore, rather than submit to that, you want to kill me. You want to eliminate me rather than accept what I am offering. My word has no place in you. Remember the parable of the sowers where Jesus said the sower scatters the seed and some of the seed falls upon the the rocky path and the birds come and they eat the seed and it doesn't take root there are some that you, sh- you share the gospel with and their hearts are so hard there's no room no place for the truth of his word Jesus said I speak the things which I have seen with my father therefore you also do the things which you have heard from your father So Jesus is picking up on that theme of of Father Abraham and Jesus is saying you're not truly children of Abraham. You're not truly children of the Father. You've got a different Father all together. They are trapped. Trapped in sin. They're trapped like like monkeys. You know how they trap monkeys? They they take a, a coconut and they chain it to a tree and, and they bore a hole in the top of the coconut. It's, it's big enough for the monkey to get his hand inside of. And, and they put some candy or some treats inside that coconut. And so the monkey will reach his hand inside that hole, grab a hold of the treat, but when he makes the fist to pull it out, there's not enough room for the fist to come out. And so to be free, all the monkey has to do is let go of that treat and he can then slide his hand out. But the monkey wants that treat so bad. He is enslaved. He is entrapped by that desire that ends up leading to his destruction. And Jesus is speaking about committing sin and being a slave to sin. And that's who we are as human beings. Human depravity, a desire for sin, leads to human destruction. And rather than letting go of that sin... We want to hold on tightly. We're entrapped. And Jesus says everyone who commits sin is trapped by sin. And we can't let go of it and we don't want to let go of it. We would rather choose sin than God. It's the depravity of the human will. People speak of free will. We are free to do what we want to do. And the problem is we are in bondage to sin. Our will is bound to sin. And Jesus says if we commit sin, we are a slave of sin. We lack God's freedom. Those apart from Christ do not have God's freedom. We also see that unbelievers lack God's fatherhood. It's fatherhood. We are not all God's children. People make that statement often. Well, we're all God's children and it sounds very, very sappy. But it's not true in its deepest sense. 
Now, we're all created by God. We're all sustained by God. There's this thing called common grace. We're, we're none of us who are alive right now are burning in hell because of God's grace. In that sense, God is fatherly. But in the spiritual realm, we're not all God's children. And Jesus points that out. Unbelievers lack God's fatherhood because they do not live for Christ. They do not live for Christ. Verse 39, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, then do the deeds of Abraham. What was Abraham known for in the Old Testament? Again, how are you going to understand the New Testament without understanding the Old? When Jesus said, do the deeds of Abraham, if we're Christians and we say, we don't need the Old Testament, it's just for the Jews, how are we going to do the deeds of Abraham? It's ridiculous. What was Abraham renowned for in the Old Testament? He was renowned for his faith. He was renowned for his obedience. He trusted God. He left his homeland and he left his family and went to who knows where, God knows where, <laughs> literally. God says, when you get there, I'll tell you. We read in Genesis 15, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham was right with God, declared right with God because Abraham trusted God. Abraham had faith and his faith led him to obey and Jesus said if you're Abraham's descendants then do the deeds of Abraham. Believe and trust God and do the works of God which is accepting Christ and living for Jesus. Do the deeds of Abraham but as it is you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth which I heard from God this Abraham did not do. Abraham didn't hear the truth of God and say, I don't want that, and shake his fist at God and say, God, I hate you. I'd rather not do what you're telling me to do. No, Abraham listened to God, believed in God, obeyed God, and Jesus said, you're trying to kill me. Abraham would never do what you are trying to do. You're not Abraham's children. If you were, you would receive me. If you were, you would obey me. If you were, you would remain in my teaching. Unbelievers do not live for Christ. They also do not love Christ. That's why an unbeliever doesn't want to live for Christ. There's no affection. No affection for Jesus as Lord. No affection for Jesus as Savior. And I think this is the heart of the passage right here. If you don't love Jesus, you're not going to receive Him. If you don't love Jesus, you're not going to remain in Him. It's about a love relationship with Christ, an affection, a desire for Christ. They don't love Christ. Instead, they are children of the destroyer. Of the destroyer. Jesus picks up on that theme of my father versus your father. Verse 41 and following. So you are doing the deeds of your father. He says, you're not doing the deeds of Abraham. You're doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father. Perhaps they are, are picking up on the, the story of the, the virgin birth, the virgin conception of, of Mary and 
Perhaps they are, are grabbing a hold of that and saying, you're an illegitimate child, Jesus. And you're going to try to instruct us about what fatherhood is really all about. We're not born of fornication. We have one father, and that father is God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. Thinking about who he is. He is from God. He is of God. He is God. He has eternally proceeded from God as the Son, second person of the Trinity. I have proceeded from God. I have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he who sent me. So there he's tying in, if, if you love God, you would love me because I come from God and I've come to do the will of God. You cannot love the Father if you don't love the Son because the Son is one with the Father and the Son has come to do the Father's will and that only. You can't love the Father if you don't love the Son. And Jesus said to them, you don't love me, therefore you don't love God. He goes on to say, verse 43, Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. They don't understand his word because they can't hear it. They're deaf. They are, they're literally dead. They are not born from above. They're not born again. They are dead in their trespasses and sin. An unbeliever cannot hear the truth unless they are made alive in Christ. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? They understand maybe logically what he's saying, but spiritually and in the heart level, they don't understand. Because you cannot hear my word. Why can't they hear his word? You are of your father, the devil. Wow. I want to talk about raising the stakes. Jesus went there. He's been alluding to it all along. My father, your father... You don't love God because you don't love me. If you don't love God, you've got another father. And then Jesus lays it out plainly. You are of your father, the devil. An unbeliever is not a child of God. A non-Christian is a child of Satan. And again, it doesn't sound like a very flattering evangelistic method. But Jesus is the one saying this. We say, man, it's not loving, it's unkind to tell somebody they don't belong to God, they belong to Satan, and they're going to burn in hell with him. But it's true. Is it not true? The Lord said, the Lord said so. Therefore, it's true. And they needed to hear that. People need to hear that. Christianity is more than just doing good stuff for people. It's more than just the social gospel. Let's, let's make everybody feel better. Let's make everybody feel included. Make sure everybody's fed and everybody's clothed. You know, those are nice things, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is men and women are dead and their trespasses and sin. They're going to hell unless they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and turn from their sin unless they are born again, unless they are born above, unless they hear the truth and love the truth and remain in the truth. It's the only hope. It's the only recourse. That's the gospel. And the Lord says, 
You are of your father, the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. What's the desires of their father? He was a murderer from the beginning. That's why we say that they are children of the destroyer. Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning. What beginning? Let's go back to in the beginning. The book of Genesis. God created Adam, created Eve from Adam. They were placed in the garden, it's in the garden, and everything was perfect, everything was pure, man was righteous, and then Satan comes and tempts. Mankind falls into sin, it falls into the curse, and the wages of sin is death. The devil murdered the human race through the sin of Adam. Spiritually murdered. Brought about the curse of sin and death. Their inability, they cannot hear the word because they're children of the devil and they have hostility towards the word because he was a murderer. Therefore, they are a murderer. They hear the truth to a degree, but they hate the truth and they want to kill the messenger. You tell somebody today that they are dead in their sins and they're going to hell unless they accept Christ, a lot of people are going to hate you for that. They're going to hate you because they are children of the devil who was a murderer. Rather than obey the truth, they hate the truth. They want to murder the truth. It was true in Eden and it's true afterwards. Paul even called the devil the God, lowercase g, the God of this age. unbelievers or children of the destroyer who's also a deceiver they are children of the deceiver verse 44 goes on to say this not only was he a murderer from the beginning he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him whenever he speaks a lie he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies satan does not love the truth the truth's not in him he is a liar by nature cannot stand in the truth therefore his children likewise they hate the truth they want to destroy the truth they want to kill the messenger they don't agree with the truth they would rather hold on to untruth and a lie and Jesus says verse 45 because I speak the truth you do not believe me because I speak the truth you don't believe me. Because they're children of the deceiver. There's no truth in him. There's no truth in them. Jesus speaks the truth. They don't believe it. Isn't it sad that as human beings we would rather believe the lie that pleasures are the way to find satisfaction. Righteousness and holiness, that stuff is boring that's, that's the stuff that wants to chain you and shackle you. Set yourself free. Liberate yourself and do what you want to do and do what makes you feel good. And justify your actions by saying, well, God is a God of love. And if God loves me, He wants me to be happy. And what makes me happy? Sin. They won't, they won't say it like that, but it's the truth. And Jesus said, because I speak the truth, you don't believe me. Children of Satan don't want the truth. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you 
not believe me. The reason why they don't believe him, he who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. Jesus he spells it out. They, they lack God's fatherhood. If they were truly children of God, they would hear the truth, they would love the truth, they would obey the truth, they would live for Christ, they would love Christ, and they would listen to Christ. They don't listen to Christ because they're not of God. If you're not of God, you're a child of Satan. If you're a child of Satan, you're a child of the destroyer, child of the deceiver. You hate the truth. You want to murder the truth. And you'd rather hold on to the lie than the truth that alone can set you free. Born into a sin nature that's contrary to God. That's every single one of us unless the Lord graciously intervenes, our chains remain. remember a few years back, I was walking through Kroger with Logan beside me, and somebody behind me said, there's no way you can deny that one. <laughs> and by that, they said, you know, they're just, you're a spitting image. You look just like each other. Your son looks like you. And there's a lot of ways that each of my children, whether they resemble me physically, their attributes and, and character traits. In all three of them, I can look at things and say, that reminds me of me. I see myself in that. A chip off the old block is what we say. But what about being a chip off the spiritual block? John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13 says that in him... We become the children of God. It's only through faith in Christ. It's only through Jesus. It's only through His grace that we can become children of God. The only way there's going to be a spiritual resemblance between us and God is if we are in Christ. If we are in the Son, the Son is the living embodiment of the Father. He's the image of the invisible God. And the only way we can say that we are God's children is if we bear resemblance to the Son, the true Son, Jesus, by faith. We will live for Christ. We will love Christ. We will listen to Christ. Unbelievers don't do that. Therefore, they lack God's fatherhood. Finally, unbelievers lack God's fellowship. Without God's fatherhood, there's no fellowship. There's no eternal relationship between God and the unbeliever. Therefore, they do not receive His immortality. They don't have and receive His immortality. The Jews answered and said to Him, verse 48, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? When all else fails, just insult. Just name call. Jesus has called him dead to rights here. If you, if you commit sin, you're a slave to sin. If you're a slave to sin, you're not set free. If you're not set free, you do the deeds of the devil. Therefore, you're not a child of God. And their response to that said, you got a demon. You're a Samaritan. Uh, you're, you're a liberal. You're one of them commies. 
You're a right-wing nut job, you know. Whatever, when, when people get caught and they have nothing else to say, they just insult. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shame you. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Samaritans hated the Jews. And they said, if you don't think we're truly descendants of Abraham, you must be a Samaritan. That's the way they think. Either that or you're demon-possessed to say we're children of the devil. You're crazy. And Jesus answered and said, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I don't seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, there's that, there's that statement again. If anyone... Remember what he said in verse 34? I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Now he says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If anyone keeps my word, if anyone remains in my teaching, he's going back to his original statement. If you continue in my teaching, then, Jesus said, you will be set free. You are truly my disciples. If you're truly a disciple of Jesus, you will never taste death. Now, he's not speaking on the physical level of death. They pick up on that theme. He's talking about spiritually. The wages of sin is death. If you're truly a disciple of Jesus, then the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said, if you keep my word, you're truly my disciple. If you're truly my disciple, you will never see death. You will not go to hell. You will spend eternity in heaven. They don't receive his immortality, and they do not rejoice in his intimacy. Unbelievers lack fellowship with God. They don't get immortality, and they don't rejoice in intimacy with God through Jesus Christ. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died. The prophets also. And Jesus said, if you keep my word, you won't see death. And they're like, well, Abraham died. All the prophets died. And here you are saying, you're never going to taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. And the prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Surely you're not calling yourself greater than Abraham. <laughs> we've been tracking through John's gospel and we already know the truth the law was given through Moses but grace and truth were given through Jesus Christ Jesus is greater than Moses Jesus said you'll see the angels of heaven ascending and descending on the son of man Jesus is greater than Jacob Jesus is the true Israel of God and now Jesus it's speaking about Abraham and not seeing death. And they said, Abraham died. You're not greater than Abraham. Surely you're not going to go there. So what does Jesus do? He goes there. Verse 54, Jesus answered and said, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. So there's the relationship between the Father and the Son. And the Father glorifies the Son. They're in fellowship together. And if you don't have the Son, whom the Father glorifies, you don't have the Father. There's fellowship, there's intimacy there. And Jesus says in verse 55, 
and you have not come to know him, but I know him. Again, intimacy. Jesus knows the Father. He has come from the Father. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father because Jesus knows the Father. There's intimacy between Father and Son. But I know him, and if I say I don't know him, then I will be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. And then Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. And they're just like, whoa, they're blown away by this. You don't think you're greater than Abraham. And Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day. And he was glad. When did Abraham see Christ? When did Abraham see the day of the Lord? Well, we can think about Abraham's life in general. Remember, it was one of faith in God and one of obedience to God and relationship with God. And Jesus said, if you don't have the Son, you don't have a relationship with God. So Abraham, by faith, was looking forward to Christ. But there's specific moments in Abraham's life, and one that stands out to me is when Abraham was called to sacrifice his son Isaac. Remember what God did? When Abraham drew the knife, the angel of God said, Don't do it, Abraham. And there was a ram that was caught in the thicket. And the ram took the place of Isaac. The ram became a substitute for Isaac. Abraham's son Isaac was spared because the ram took his place and bore the wrath of God. And therefore, in seeing that action, Abraham saw Christ, a type of Christ in that sacrifice. You don't think he was glad? You don't think he was glad when God spared his son through the sacrifice of a ram? Of course he was glad. And Jesus said, Abraham saw and was glad he rejoiced to see my day. There was intimacy between the Father and Son, and those who have the Son have intimacy with the Father. Finally, we see this, that they lack fellowship with God because they do not recognize his identity. They don't recognize who Jesus truly is. The Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Abraham lived 2,000 years ago. And you say, Abraham saw your day and rejoiced. Abraham was glad in you. You're not even 50 years old. Come on, what a joke. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. There's our formula again. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And now Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. Before Abraham was born, I am. It wasn't that before Abraham was born, I was, because he would just say, you know, I, I existed before Abraham, which is true. But he takes that phrase, I am, the covenant name of God, and Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. I am eternal. I am self-sufficient. I am divine. I am the Lord of the Old Testament, Jesus says. Before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, he is greater than Abraham. That's the answer to the question. Now, when Jesus makes that statement, it's either true or it's blasphemous. To equate yourself with the God of the Old Testament, it's either true or it's blasphemy. 
and how they respond. Verse 59, Therefore, because of that, therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. We're going to execute him right here, right now. He's committed blasphemy. And even though our law requires there be a a, a legal proceeding, we we don't care about any of that. Let's Let's just kill him right now on the spot. They hated him so much for what he said. Spiritual warfare. It's been going on from the beginning. We've seen in the news recently the assault on the Ukraine by Russia. In many ways that mirrors who we are in Christ, always under assault, always being attacked by the forces of evil, spiritual warfare. Jesus dealt with it. He spoke the truth and they wanted to kill him. And eventually they do. But not yet. It says, but Jesus hid himself. And he went out of the temple. We're not told how this happened, whether it was some sort of, of supernatural thing that, that took place. But all we see in this is that Jesus left the temple. The glory of God leaving the building that's supposed to represent the presence of God. They stayed in the building while the glory of God departed. They held on to the externals in the physical realm completely missed who it was that was standing before them and what he had come to do he had come to liberate them from sin and they hated him for it so what are we called to do we are called to pray that God enables our hearts to have affection for his son if you don't have the son you don't have the father because the father loves the son the father glorifies the son And the Son has come to perfectly do the will of the Father to speak the truth and to die on the cross as a substitute for sin. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. Your faith is not genuine. We were telling the kids this week about growing up whenever uh, we were in high school that sometimes we had some some knockoff clothing, some, some designer knockoffs, generic stuff. Nancy said she had a Tommy Hilfiger jersey that was fake. I had a pair of, of Oakley sunglasses that were generic. I called them Jokeleys. <laughs> the point of these is to, is to make everybody think you've got the real thing. But if you look closely and you examine close enough, you'll find a flaw. It ain't real. It's one thing to know what you have is not real. It's another thing to go online on, on a website like Wish and buy something and you get it and it's fake and be duped and think you have something real is your faith genuine or is it generic how do you know Jesus laid it out for us in this chapter and John in his first letter also gives us paternity tests that we can determine who's your daddy Well, how do you know if it's God or how do you know if it's the devil? How do we know? Jesus spelled it out in this chapter in John and 1 John and gives us three paternity tests. And are these the moral test? Do you live in sin or do you live for the Lord? Do you live for righteousness? The relational test. 
Do you have a relationship with God and do you have a relationship with God's people? How do you treat fellow Christians? How do you treat your fellow church member? Do you love them or do you trash them every chance you get? Because that reflects on your paternity. If you're a child of God, you love God's children. You tolerate God's children. You forgive God's children because you have a relationship with God's Son and they do too in your family. This is a moral test, a relational test, and a doctrinal test. Do you believe that Jesus truly is God? Do you believe that God, the Word made flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld His glory? Do you believe He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Do you believe that in Him we are born again, we are born from above, and if we are not, we will not see the kingdom of God. If we are not in Christ, then we will see death and we will taste death. But if He is the great I Am, if He is the Son, then who the Son sets free, He is free indeed. Who's your daddy? Is it Father God? Is it the devil? Listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to the words of Scripture. Take these tests. Look upon your heart. Look upon your life. Answer that question. Is your faith genuine or is it generic? Let's pray. Lord in heaven, once again, we are in awe of you. As we come to the Scripture today, and Lord, we see so much truth and we are blown away by this dialogue that your Son has with those who have a false faith, with those who are unbelievers, those who who have self-righteousness, for those who are claiming spiritual heritage, spiritual lineage, and, and trying to claim that for their own when their lives are a poor reflection of Jesus. Lord, forgive us in many ways. We fall short. Maybe somebody here today believes they are saved because they were raised in church. Maybe think they're saved because they walked an aisle and got dunked in the water. Maybe think they're saved because their name is typed on some list of church members. In many ways, we're no different than them Pharisees who claimed spiritual lineage because of physical lineage. There's only one people of God, and that are those who are in Christ, those who are saved by grace, those who have been set free, those who remain in the truth. Lord, may we all be counted in that number as children of God, because of our relationship with your Son. As we enter this time of decision, God, your will be done. Draw each of us to a, to a point where we know we have saving faith because we look to Christ alone to save us. It's in his name we do pray. Amen. Would you all please stand with me as we enter into this decision time?